Please be seated. The goodness of God, the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Back in Galatians 5.22, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness is where we're at this morning. I want us to think about, uh, as we've been singing about, the goodness of God. And often God is good to us through His people. He puts His Spirit in us, creates in us goodness that we share, and it's the goodness of the Lord. There were two kids, you know, trying to outdo one another, and uh, in the process, they got to talking about how great their dads was, were, and uh, one of them said, well, my dad's a doctor, so because he's a doctor, I could be sick for nothing. And the other kid thought about it and said, well, my dad's a preacher, I can be good for nothing. <laughs> you know, and, uh, so, sorry kids, you know, my, my kids are now thinking, okay, so dad thinks they're good for nothing. All right, <clears throat> well, you know, goodness is a difficult subject for us because... We confuse it, so it's, it's, it's language we use for everybody. I'm a good kid, you're a good kid, he's a good man, she's a good woman. Uh, somebody dies, it doesn't matter how bad we thought they were, now all of a sudden, well, he was a good man. You know, he was, she was a good woman. And we just use that term in such a relative sense that it's kind of confusing. Say so the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. What does that mean to us? I think we have to... To, to, to really stop and reflect and think about goodness, the concept, the understanding of it. One passage that came to me as I was trying to get beyond the obscurity of goodness and, and, and really think about it. Look at Luke chapter 18. Here's the story of the, the rich ruler, and he uses this term, and Jesus picks up on it immediately uh, and kind of speaks to him about his misuse of, of the term good. Luke 18, beginning at verse 18, a ruler questioned him, Jesus, saying, good teacher, so here's the word, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you shall lack, sell all you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And of course, we know the story, but when he had heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Now think about the dialogue that's going on there. Here, here comes a man to Jesus who obviously thinks he's relatively good. He's been keeping the commandments since his youth. And he uses this term good to um, perhaps flatter Jesus or at least characterize Jesus. Good teacher. Jesus knows immediately this guy misunderstands this term about himself, about the teacher in front of him. He, he's not really thought through the confusing ways he's dealing with this term. And he, he tells him, he says, you don't understand, there's no one good but God. Are you calling me God? That would be legit, but I'm not sure that's where you were going. You were using goodness, weren't you, in, in a 
in a relative sense. You want to know how good do you need to be in order to get into heaven. He said, well, you obviously, you already know the commandments. Jesus understood that about him. And then his response, yeah, I know them, and I've been keeping them ever since I was a kid. I'm good. But he really doesn't get goodness yet, does he? He doesn't get that it's a transformation of the person by the Spirit of God. It's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit that regenerates and changes you to be someone more than a keeper of the commandments. And Jesus says, let me prove it to you. Let's just deal with the first commandment. Why don't you go sell everything you've got? I know you're an idolater and you love money more than you love God. Why don't you just sell everything and come follow God? First commandment. He says, uh, uh, I can't do that. So he's not even keeping the first commandment. He really doesn't. He, relatively speaking, he's good. He's better than most. But he hasn't begun to really get the goodness of God and what the Spirit of God does inside of man. And that's where so many of us reside. That's where most people in America reside. Is we, we have this confusing concept of goodness. And it's hard for us sometimes to distinguish it between the believer and the non-believer. And yet Jesus does that immediately with this man, saying the goodness you have is not the goodness I seek. It's much more than that. And we need to, I think, get a handle on that. I think Paul did in Romans chapter 7. Let me give you a con contrasting verse. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. He says, Paul says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. Paul says, I have a desire to be good. I seek to be good. I try to be good. He says, but I know I'm not. In an absolute sense, there is no goodness in me. In a relative sense, yes. But in an absolute sense, no. There's none good but God. Paul got that. He understood it. He understood there was a difference between him and and the rich young ruler, because of that, um, that fruit is an exclusive fruit of God. It's not relative. A lot of times we just don't give much thought to the nature of goodness or to the ability of man to produce it or not produce it. Um, <clears throat> we need goodness in relation to God. So that's what I want us to think about this morning. The fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of humanity. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. So what is it? Consider this definition. As I've been wrestling with what, what's the definition that God might want us to kind of work under. Consider goodness as that which is the benevolent product of God. Something God produces. The benevolent product of God by the power of God for the pleasure of of God. The fruit of the Spirit is the benevolent product of God by the power of God for the pleasure of God. And that distinguishes goodness for us who have the Spirit from those who do not have the Spirit of God. There is that distinction. Our goodness should be a benevolent product 
produced by the power of God for the purpose and goal of granting God pleasure and glory. Think about that with me. First of all, the product of God. Look at Romans 15, verse 14. Coming at a conclusion of a long kind of section in the book of Romans of the church dealing with conflict, weaker, stronger brother issues in chapter 14. Paul says this about him, which is an interesting statement. Romans 15, verse 14 says, Now concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able also to admonish one another. So here's Christians that are full of goodness. How did they get filled with goodness? Well, think about it. They were filled. Who's doing the filling of these Christians? It's God who fills us with His Spirit. We see in Ephesians 5, we're to be filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God produces this fruit known as goodness. These Romans had been filled up by the Spirit of God. They were full of goodness and therefore had an ability. It talked about you are able also to admonish one another. So you can care so much for the brethren because of being filled with the Spirit that you can go to a a different level of even correcting them in an encouraging way, admonishing them. Um, And when you think about the context that's going on here, they had some weak brethren coming in, just stumbling all over the place, not, not knowing how to live this new life in Christ, and stronger brothers were... Um, in some conflict with that. And Paul says, look, look, you've grown enough, stronger brethren, to the place that you can care for these weaker brethren and not leave them in weakness. You don't have to dumb down the church to the lowest common denominator. You have the ability in God, because you're full of goodness, to reach out to the weaker brother and build him up to a strong position. So care for the weak. Build them up. I know you can do this because this is good. And you're full of goodness in the Spirit. You can reach out and and minister to folks. You can correct them. You can admonish them and build up the kingdom of God. Obviously, non-Christians are not interested in building the church, strengthening the church through the use of their gifts. But that's what we do. That's that's part of our goodness. That's part of the fruit that comes out of us, that we care so much for people. When we see them on the wrong course, the wrong path, we want to correct and encourage and build them up. Uh, and we do that. That's a pr- it's a product of God. Uh, look at Ephesians 2.10. Don't forget this popular verse. Um, we quote it, but uh, sometimes we don't put it in this, this context. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand uh, that we should walk in them. God has prepared that us... He's prepared works for us. He wants us to do goodness. He wants us to do good works. He's created us for good works. And so we should be full of good works, full of goodness. And the Romans were getting that so that they could care. We need to be full of goodness to care for and correct the weak that they might be strong um, that we might build up. So it's, it's something God does in us. Second, I want you to see, it's something we do by His power. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 11 and 12. 2 Thessalonians 1, 
11 and 12 says, To this end also we pray for you always. Now, don't little rabbit trail, but don't miss the application of prayer here. To this end I'm praying always. Notice what he prays for. That our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. He says, I, I, I'm praying for you. I'm always praying for you that you're going to be able to do good stuff. And for you to do good stuff, you need ability. You need power. You need the power of God to go beyond just human goodness and, 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 and to, to care for and minister to others. So Paul says, that's what I'm praying for. You know, um, uh, think about that when you pray for your kids. Think about that when you pray for your parents or your family. You know, how, how, we need power to be good. The Spirit needs to be in us, the Spirit of power, giving us His nature, goodness, and His power to do good. How many of you said, you know, after somebody asked you, why did you do that? And you said, well, I didn't mean to do it. I, I really didn't mean to do it. But you did it. Why did you do it if you didn't mean it? You know, I, I still have, every time I think about this subject, I have this flashback to when I was a kid, and I grabbed one of my brothers. Actually, I did this several times to my brothers. I, I grabbed one by the collar or shirt or whatever, and we were fighting on the bed. You know, mattresses aren't very stable. We were doing this, and I just, I got the better of him. I slung him into the uh, headboard there and put a big old gash across his, his forehead. And my dad said, look what you did. You know, I'm seeing blood going everywhere, and I'm thinking, what can I say? I, said, I didn't mean to do that. You know, I meant to beat him up, but I didn't mean to send him to the hospital for stitches. Well, why did you do this? My problem was not a desire to be good. My problem was I didn't have the ability to be good. I could not do that. There's times when we can't not do it unless we have power. And the fruit of the Spirit is this benevolent product of God. God produces by the power of God. We need power. So when our kids respond or our parents respond, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Do we begin praying always for them that they might have power to not do this? This is a supernatural, spiritual ability that we as believers have over the non-Christian world. The presence of the Spirit who powerfully works within us to produce goodness. So understand this spiritual fruit and, and begin to pray. This is, it begins to give meat or, uh, or content to this phrase, be filled with the Spirit. Lord, fill me with the Spirit. I wait for the Spirit from on high to come and empower me. Give me the ability uh, to do what? To live for the pleasure of God, which is where I'm going. It's the product of God by the power of God for the pleasure of God. Look at Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. 
Notice the contrast here. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So the contrast, dark and light. It's like there's a day and night difference. And there should be a day and night difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. And that's what Paul's talking about. You were formerly night, darkness, but now you are day, light in the Lord. Walk then as children of light for the fruit of the light consist in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. There's the goal. The fruit of this goodness, righteousness, and truth that's in us, this day and night difference that's in us, is for the pleasure of the Lord. We do these things. We demonstrate a day and night difference between us and the non-Christian. We do these things because we're always trying to please the Lord. Trying to learn, God, what is it that gives you pleasure? What is it that gives you glory? Work that in me. Because that's the fruit of goodness and righteousness and truth. So we're, we're constantly praying to that end and working to that end. You know, you, you remember the rich man. He didn't have that day and night uh, distinction. He was just relatively good. He didn't have the pleasure of the Lord in view. That wasn't his heart or his motivation, which was obvious in that he was breaking the first commandment. Um, so we're praying for, for goodness in the sense that it's something God produces by his power, and it's all for his pleasure. Most people who are you know, trying to be good they're being good because, you know, you ask somebody, why are you doing that? Well, it'll come back around. If I'm good to this person, someday I hope they'll be good to me kind of thing. That's the good of humanity. That's man-centered. I'm good to man, hoping man will be good to me. It's really selfish, even though I, 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 I rationalize that I'm being, not being selfish, I'm being good to other people. I'm still being good to people, man. It's not for the pleasure of God. It's for, for the pleasure of man, the pleasure of me. So a lot of people like that. Uh, that's the height of their morality, that goodness is, is, is so that we learn to help one another. Instead of seeing, you know, there's a goodness that helps God that is for His pleasure and for His glory. And that's the goodness the Spirit produces in us. It's beyond selfishness. It's, it's to God and for His glory. So how can we do that? How can we unleash this kind of fruit on our family, on our church, on the world? How can we be known as, as the, the do-gooders God wants us to be, the good people that God wants us to be, having the product of God by the power of God for the pleasure of God? Well, I, I mentioned three kind of applications uh, for you to think. First of all, seek to distinguish your goodness with grace. So, okay, my goodness needs to be more than just a relative goodness. The word grace can be translated saint, saintly. Think about it maybe from that way. Distinguish your goodness as that which is saint-like, that which is Christ-like, that is different than just humanity. That it's, it, it's, when you think about saintliness, you think about those who are in the Word of God. You think about those who are praying. Think about those who are being filled with the Spirit. Distinguish your fruit that way, that uh, through prayer, by praying, through the Word, by getting direction that 
God says what we should do and what we should not do. Distinguish your fruit as that which is truly aimed at God's glory. That's what I mean by distinguish our goodness from grace. It's, it's, it's more than, than nice deeds. Evaluate your heart motive. What's my motive? What's my intent? Is it the pleasure of God? Is it the glory of God? Is it the building up of the church of Christ, which we know honors and glorifies God? Is it just being nice? Those people will be nice to me. Distinguish it with the grace that only God and Christ produce in us. That needs to be the, the distinction. A, a good example of that would be uh, Daniel. You remember when they were trying to accuse Daniel in the book of Daniel, uh, everybody around him said they knew he had a good reputation. And said, there's no way we can, we can, it's impeccable, go against Daniel unless we somehow trick him on the law of God because everything he does is consistent with the word of God. So his good reputation was that he was doing things God's way with God's power for God's glory. We can be known for that kind of good reputation. Um, seek to be different, more than nice. Second, develop our goodness beyond giftedness. Develop our goodness beyond giftedness. I, I, I never will forget, we, right at the back of the church here one, one Sunday, I forget what I was preaching on, and uh, somebody came up, and uh, I think maybe I was preaching on something like this, goodness, kindness, something. And they, the, the person said, well, that's, Pastor, that's not my gift. I said, what do you mean it's not your gift? So my gift is, is, is um, prophecy. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, my gift is, is to tell people the hard stuff. My gift is to confront and, and to admonish and, 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 and tell them what they need to know. And it's just not my gift to be kind and gentle and good. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. The scripture says, speak the truth how? In love. I said, you don't get the right to say it's my gift to speak the truth, but not speak the truth in love. And I says, furthermore, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not, it's not, we're not talking about a gift, I'm talking about a fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. He didn't say the gift of the Spirit, we, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit, but every gift must be exercised while bearing the fruit. I said, if you're giving harsh words without love, without the fruit, then the Spirit of God's not in you. We need to develop a goodness that, that works with our giftedness. It's, it's not separate, um, optional uh, ingredients. Uh, we, we speak good, good words with goodness, with kindness, with love. Um, look at Acts chapter 9, 36. Here's um, Tabitha. It's, it, it's really hard to describe goodness without action. Um, as I think just about words. Words can be good words, but we need good deeds to go with them. Um, Acts 9, verse um, 36. Now in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds. It's... My translation says deeds of kindness. Some of you may have the translation deeds of goodness and charity. Goodness and charity. She was, she was a good woman with good deeds and charity. She was known for that. All of us should be known for good deeds 
and love. Look over at chapter 10 of Acts. Verse 38. It says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him, and we are his witnesses. Jesus was a good man. Jesus was a preacher, but he went about doing good. You can't separate word and deed. The deeds must be good deeds matching with good words. Um, and sometimes uh, we miss that. We, you know, and if we miss that, we're given the indication that we're fake, we're false. Uh, we're fool's gold. We're not the real deal. Um, if we speak the right words, our actions should match. We do the right, the right things. And so if it's the good word of God, it's going to accompany, be accompanied by good deeds of God. And most people a lot of times see our, our deeds before they hear our words. So understanding that, that, that we need to be producing good works, Ephesians 2.10, that God's prepared for us. And these good works are beyond just speaking. What are some things we can do? I just wanted to give you some particulars. I didn't want you just walking out of here with generalities. Okay, I need to be good. So this is just a, a small list. But what are some things I can do that will be good? One of the things I said, you could give money. That's good. Everybody likes money, especially in our culture. You know, the average American spends 2% more than they make on a regular basis, which is why our country's so in debt. We've developed that as a practice. And the church should be a people that have so much more wisdom than that. And, and we've developed this, this habit of having contingency funds and emergency funds and reserve funds that the Scripture teaches us. And we also have in our, uh, our heart this motivation to give. To give back to Christ uh, as, as just a, a wonderful celebration of redemption. But also to give beyond that. And I encourage, if you don't have this in your family budget or in your individual budget, you have a, a ministry fund somehow in your mindset that this is money. Not only did I give to the Lord, this is another amount of money I, I use to minister and give away. Because we're not here to selfishly accumulate. We know we're, what we have here is being burned up. We're seeking to build the kingdom. And one way, it's impressive to our world. It's day and night difference. How do you do this? How do you, you give so much to me knowing that I'm not really going to give back to you? And think about how you can produce um, a product of God in the power of God. For God's pleasure that way and not just uh, do something for mankind. Great thought to think through. Give time. Time is more precious than money. We're all so very busy. But to also budget and manage our time so that we've got a certain amount of time that we say, this is just going to be spent this week, Lord, where you direct me. To the person you want me to sit with or talk with and minister to. You know, as a pastor, I'm faced with that all the time. There's no way I can, I can sit down and talk with all 400 of you. You know, and, and so it, you have a small window of time to say, God, you direct me. 
And where is it you want me to spend time? And who with? That, it, that it's precious, that it builds them up and, and ministers to them. And we can all give that if we budget our time wisely. Give physical assistance. You know, just helping people out. Uh, this is one of the hardest things for me. I have lots of ability to give assistance, but I, I don't think about budgeting that. I have my schedule is so full of so many things. like, ah, oh, I, I could help that person if I just had time, you know. And so that time factor comes back around um, to, to, to put that in our schedule to, to, to help somebody with whatever project that they, they are working on. Um, give reconciliation efforts. I, I thought about uh, 2 Corinthians 5, how we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Nobody likes that, trying to bring two parties together that are fighting but it's, it's something we can do, others can't do, because we've been given this ministry, and God's reconciled us with himself. We've tasted it, and we've seen how wonderful it is, and it's just a great ministry to be able to admonish, encourage, give the word of God to people, say, you know, this is what needs to happen to bring you together. Another thing we can give that's good is just give out Christ. Always be seeking in, your, in all of these ministries, um, how can I bring this person into the presence of Christ, so that they see Christ in me. They don't just see me doing something, but how can I give them Christ? They, they begin to feel and see and understand that, that what's happening here is, is a Christ thing. Remember Christ's sermon? Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Um, great passage just to kind of focus on as, as we leave today. Matthew 5, verse 16, Jesus says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works. And then what's the result? And glorify your Father who is in heaven. The fruit of the Spirit, which is goodness, is to glorify our Father. It's the product of God by the power of God for the pleasure of God. And Jesus directs us that way as well. Just make sure you do your good works in such a way that they see you do them because of the spirit that is in you is producing them in a powerful way for God's glory. Instead of in them just coming and writing you a thank you card, they begin to somehow express thanks to God for the spirit that is in you ministering to them. You know, we, we sometimes say the phrase as a church God is good and you say all the time and I say and all the time and you say God is good wouldn't it be neat if people said that about us you know someone said you know David is good and the immediate response was all the time all the time that's what we're going for the fruit of the spirit is goodness that we're praying for that all the time, always, that we would have the power of God to minister all the time this ministry of goodness that distinguishes us. It's a day and night distinction and gives glory to God. Let's pray. Father, I uh, just want to pause and ask for your power. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with power from on high. May we begin each day waiting for the Spirit to fill us 
and empower us to minister in your name for your glory to others. Father, forgive us for our selfish, small thinking ways, for relative goodness when we have the opportunity to provide something greater. We ask that you would make us a good people all the time, that others would see our good works and truly glorify you. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.